Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It wasn't until the pandemic that for me, some stuff really started shifting. For so long, I was in the rat race of building my business. And I was just on the go, 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 do, do, do. So there's a couple of distinctions here. I think number one is just spotting it. Just knowing that that's a thing, that's one of your patterns that you've operated under for so long. You're able to see it as generational, ancestral, like knowing that that's the way that our families have usually typically have had to work and be like this, the worker, doer, be. But for us, like there's a, like we're able to switch out and shift the interpretation of that. And we live in a time now where it doesn't have to be that way anymore. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. 
So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Harry, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for being here and gracing us with your fabulous presence. Thank you so much, Janice. It has been a long time coming. I'm so happy you're having me on here. Yes. Let's start off with you introducing yourself to the audience. Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is Harry Lopez. I'm based in Miami, Florida. I'm a performance coach for high-achieving Latino creators, entrepreneurs, leaders, coaches, you name it. I'm also the founder of Launch Latinx, a movement that started about five years ago. We run an accelerator program. We have a membership community and online programs and initiatives that we put together. That's amazing. So was this always part of the plan? Were you just going to be out here since birth, killing it in the entrepreneurship game? Or like, what was the original plan? Yeah, I think I, at a young age, my family instilled in me, my family is from Nicaragua. My parents are both from Managua, Nicaragua. They came to the U.S. in the 80s. First generation immigrant kid growing up in Miami. And so I would, in the evenings, I'd watch telenovelas and soap operas with my parents. And the lead actor was usually an abogado, a lawyer. And so since I was very little, my family just kind of instilled in me, you're going to be a lawyer. And so that's what I was going to be for a long time. That's all I knew was you're going to go to law school. Or you're going to do the whole legal thing and stand up and advocate for folks. And I went to college. I was on the pre-law track. I majored in political science. I was doing the courses. And I even signed up for an LSAT course as well. And it just wasn't doing it for me. I wasn't feeling lit up by it. I wasn't inspired. In fact, I remember being really disillusioned and just very uninterested. And the academic advisor of my college, he was the head of the theater department. <laughs> This is going to be a fun little, little turnaround here. <laughs> so I was like really depressed. I went to an elite university in Nashville, Tennessee. I was one of a handful of Latinos in my college and I wanted to leave. I remember wanting to just leave my college and go somewhere else. And so the head of the theater department was my academic advisor. He recommended I take one of his theater classes. So I signed up for like Theater 100 and I thought it was pretty cool. So I was like, let me take some more classes. So I took Acting One. And that was incredible. I was like, whoa, this is really cool. It just made me feel alive. And so I took acting two and then I took acting three. And then like from there, everything just took off for me. I started taking directing and writing classes and comedy and I was auditioning for the plays. And my freshman year, I was cast as a lead in the school play. And so I stayed there. So back then I was thinking, you know, I would become an actor and move to LA or New York City And I devised this whole plan where I would become an actor and I would build a coaching business that would sustain my acting and I would do both. And I was just creating and paving my own path, which I hadn't seen before. Right. So my journey into coaching and transformation work has been just one of ups and downs, left turns, right turns, circular. So, yeah, I never anticipated that I would be here today in this way, doing this work. 
I love that story. And it just reminds me so much of the nonlinear path that I've had to get here as an entrepreneur too. And again, we are all told the same. We have three career options as like first gen kids. It's like, you're gonna be a doctor, a lawyer or an engineer. And if it's not one of those three, like I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) And then you find out, oh, this is actually not what I want to do with the rest of my life. So I'm wondering before we get into your kind of how you spun out your business into a coaching business. How did you reconcile the fact that this identity that your family had locked in on you for so long was not going to be the identity that you would assume? And like, what feelings came up for that? Because that's some heavy shit. It was very heavy. And I don't think it was until I think that my family, similar to me, just didn't know what to do with me in a way. They're like, okay, he didn't go to law school. He made it to college, but he didn't do what we thought he would. And it wasn't until I started seeing some success in my business that they were like, okay, all right, he's doing something here. This is pretty cool. But internally for me, I don't know that I ever got to the point where I fully reconciled it. I think it's just like an ongoing journey of just like, what are we doing? What are we creating, causing and creating in the world? And every single day, it's like, I'm asking myself that question. And I don't really know what it is, but I know how I want to feel. I know what the vision is going to feel like. And so I'm just staying open and curious to whatever it is that's coming up. And I think that my family has developed this like very strong sense of trust in me, knowing that he's convicted, he's hardworking, he's passionate, like he's really about wanting to make a difference and serve others. And so they got on board and they really don't know what it is that I do. They call me, (laughs) they literally call me the doctor. They literally call me the doctor because when I'm with them, I'm supporting my dad with his anxiety. I'm supporting my mom with her, like her back issues. I'm supporting the family with all of their stuff. And so just picking up all these modalities has been really beautiful. But yeah, I don't know that it's ever like a, like it's just ever been like this one thing. It's just been an ongoing journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so tell me about how one begins this journey into entrepreneurship. Like for me, it was an exercise in frustration and dissatisfaction in my career. I just needed something else to do. But I feel like you found this out before you even started on your career path, that this was something you wanted to explore. So what did that look like for you? Yeah, this is such a good question. And I'll take you back a little bit just to give a little bit of context, because I always felt that coaching found me. It always was a thing where I felt like life was just leading me into it. So I joined Teach for America right after college, and I was a third grade teacher in Nashville, Tennessee. Most of my students were refugee and immigrant students. So that's literally what I did right after college. I went through a five-week teacher preparation program. My students were very successful. We had great results. So I was invited to be a teacher coach. And that's not anything that I had ever wanted. And it was like life was leading me in these directions where I could be of greater service. I joined Teach for America as a manager of teacher leadership development. And I was going to school every single Tuesday, paid for by the district to get certified in coaching. And I loved working with students. I loved working with teachers. I loved the work of education, but I fell in love with coaching. And so I caught the coaching bug that year. And then for the next eight years of my life, I just invested everything I had into learning the ins and outs of this industry. So I would literally, all my paychecks were going into work in masterminds. I was working with one-on-one coaches. I was flying out from Miami to LA to work with a spiritual business coach. And I would be in a very intense, small, sacred circle and be working on the healing and dealing with all of my inner stuff. And so it just got to the point where I was serving and just staying open to whatever life was, was bringing me. And the calling was always to just serve people at a higher level. And I was serving 
And then it just naturally came together where the majority of my private clients were Latinos. And in the very beginning, there were just like these badass Latinas that were like up to huge things in the world. And so I was serving them as a private one-on-one coach for years. And a lot of my private students, I realize, have been on your podcast. They've been here and it's been so inspiring to see them just continue to flourish and do incredible work in the world. And so what I noticed was I just got curious. What are the things that are lacking? What are the things that are missing? And for a lot of my students, a lot of them were lacking community. They didn't know each other. I was meeting them. I was seeing them at events. I even relocated my whole life to Los Angeles to be closer to the community. But at the time, there was no conscious community of Latinos that were coming together to transform together. And I noticed that there was a lot of stuff for Latinas. Latinas, you know, I would go to We All Grow and I'd go to a lot of different events. But there wasn't a space, an inclusive space for folks that were non-binary and LGBTQ and queer and trans and even men straight men or queer men to come together. And so Launch Latinx was born, just seeing what was missing and what was lacking and and what I would have needed in the beginning of my entrepreneur journey. My entrepreneur journey started off very different from most folks. I didn't sit down and write a business plan. I didn't sit down and have a marketing budget or sales budget or anything. I really sat down one conversation to conversation. I was working at a tech company just five years ago and When my clock would strike 5 p.m., I would close my laptop and I'd start getting on phone calls with people. I'd just be in in like very powerful, intense coaching calls with individuals that were just open, willing, and committed to their own growth. And that's how my business grew is one conversation at a time. There was no ad budget. There was no social media. I didn't have any of that. And so later on, little by little, that all started to come together. I love how you created a business where leaning into your identity is like at the core of it. Because I feel like so many of us who want to be entrepreneurs, we almost feel like we have to show up as the majority of what we see, which is not ourselves. And so the fact that you're giving us permission to like own our identities from day one, I think is so powerful. And I that's why I also do what I do, because I'm like, I want people to know that you can form a very successful business, like just being you. You don't have to be the corporate code switched version of you that you're so used to operating in in the world. Like you can just be yourself and get paid for that shit. And it's powerful. Totally. (laughs) I think I, okay, around two and a half years ago, I was never like out online. Like it wasn't a thing where I was like talking about it and like being about it, but it was just energetically, that's the energy that I was giving across. And so a lot of my clients that were coming to me were LGBTQ folks, like queer men, like lesbian women that were just seeking community. And I wasn't like advertising at all that I was a coach for the LGBTQ community, but that was just the vibrations that I was putting out. But about two years ago, Alexander Leon posted a viral tweet, a tweet that went viral all over Twitter, talking about the experience of coming out and what it is that the experience that gay men face of wearing a mask and always having to like work to reconcile their identities, like always putting on a show, always being performers, never being their true authentic selves. And I remember that I had just had a very powerful coaching call with one of my coaches. And that night I was so inspired by that tweet that I posted on my Instagram and officially came out. And what ended up happening was that I, I thought that my business was going to like flop and like mm. literally just like, nobody's going to want to work with me. Oh my God. Like he's so unprofessional. But what happened is I filled up a mastermind in 48 hours. 
Holy shit. I filled up a coaching wow. program. And then literally after that tweet, after posting that, I started twerking online. I started <laughs> dancing. I started like really unveiling larger, bigger parts of myself that I never was formerly way too ashamed of talking about. And things just took off. I started speaking and I got all these podcast interviews and all these opportunities were coming. And it just was really beautiful to have that kind of, to know that you could build a business that is centered around you being and displaying the most authentic version of you. Mm -hmm. And we live in a world where so many of us are wearing masks, mm. where we're just performing and trying to fit in and be a certain way and to look good, right? Mm -hmm. And so being able to be courageous and audacious enough to take off that mask and to give yourself permission to be whoever the hell you want to be has been the greatest business strategy plan that I could ever have <laughs> for myself. Truly. That is amazing. Oh my gosh. So inspiring. And there's a lot of like new and aspiring entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. So I want like one piece of advice around how you got your first paid client. Like what was the process for you marketing yourself? Were you just like posting on Twitter? Like were you just talking to people, sending cold DMs? Like how does that work? I remember being in Miami Beach a couple years back, years ago, and I was in a WeWork and I just started thinking like, okay, I have this offering and I have people in my network. So I started just reaching out to people and telling them that I was available for business. And so, so much of it, if we're really just to slow it down and tune in to people have a need, they have their challenges and opportunities, and people just need to know that you're available. And so just literally telling your audience, hey, I have these spots available. I've officially started my coaching practice. I'm taking on three new clients. That's literally how it was. And for me, it was, I built my business through a generosity-based business model. So I would literally just invite people into complimentary sessions and just serve. So it was never selling. It was just serving all the way through and just leading from the heart and just supporting. And if people wanted to work with me at the end, I would make an offer. And if they didn't want to work with me, that was totally fine. I would move on to the next conversation. So it wasn't anything like hard pitched. It wasn't like sleazy sales. It was just heart-centered, generosity-based coaching was how I did it. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think we feel a lot of pressure to mimic, again, this bro culture marketing tactics that so many of us see in online entrepreneurship and coaching. And it's just like, dude, if that's not what your vibe is, like, why would you want to adopt that as the way you approach people? Like, you have to figure out what your voice is, what feels good. And I love the fact that you focus on generosity and service because it's like, isn't that what a coach is supposed to do? It's not about cramming shit down your throat that you don't need. It's like really finding if you're the right client and you're the right coach to work together. Yeah, because it has to be an aligned fit, like for mm -hmm. the coach and the client as well. Yeah, like I usually say like, if it's not a full body, yes, then I don't want to move forward. That's oh, a great so. way to live life. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, this has to be a full F yeah, yeah. every part of you. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about hustle culture burnout. I'm very much a workaholic and I own it. And I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. That's just the way my genetics are set up. So I've actually been having to unlearn this constant need to be doing shit. I'm still unlearning this idea of rest not being a waste of time. And my level of productivity is not a reflection of my value as a person. It's hard, Harry. It is fucking hard. Okay. So what do you have for the overachievers like me who are just incapable or having a very hard time of 
just not tying our worth to our work. That's a huge distinction that you just named right there, because so many of us have been, we assign our inherent worth to our achievement, to our productivity, to our sales quota, our numbers, our following, all that stuff. And just first and foremost, just coming back to like the mindset of it, just really detaching and separating yourself from that, just being able to see it and spot it and like detach because it's so deeply embedded in so many of us, especially folks of marginalized identities, queer folks, Latinos, people of color. And I get it. Like it wasn't until the pandemic that for me, some stuff really started shifting. For so long, I was in the rat race of building my business and I was just on the go, 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 do, do, do. So there's a couple of distinctions here. I think number one is just spotting it. Just knowing that that's a thing, that's one of your patterns that you've operated under for so long, you're able to see it as generational, ancestral, like knowing that that's the way that our families have usually typically have had to work and be like this, the worker doer be. But for us, like there's a, like we're able to switch out and shift the interpretation of that. And we live in a time now where it doesn't have to be that way anymore. So when you see it and you find it in you and you're like wanting to operate under that pattern just like slow it down and see the pattern running and doing what it's doing it's like a pattern and so you like shift out of it another thing that i've seen work really well is just like carving out time for pause and spaciousness has been really powerful for me things really shifted in my business when i wasn't being a solopreneur anymore when i really started to seek out support and help from other people and i realized that what was at the bottom of that was trust because i deeply didn't trust others I didn't trust other people to take care of my baby, the business, but it's not my baby. I'm its baby, right? Elizabeth Gilbert said that once, and that really resonated with me. The business is not my baby. I am its baby, and I get to take care of it and bring other people to support the movement, to support the evolution of this movement and what we're doing. And so when I started to relinquish control, because so much of it is control, and why is it that a lot of our, that we get into the work of entrepreneurship is because we don't want to be told what to do. We want to do our own thing. And so we often have that struggle with control, struggle with trust. And so it's like really leaning into these, I always say that success is 80% mindset and embodiment, 20% strategy and mechanics. And so if we're really able to be with ourselves and slow down the patterning and conditioning of the mind and the stories that have taken place that have created us into who we are, what God is here is not going to be the thing that's going to get us to the next level. And mm-hmm. I find that at every level of ascension, there is a new level, a new devil. And so I've got to continuously do my work because if I'm struggling with this time and go, 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 it's like burnout, burnout's going to happen. I'm going to be shot to meetings like, like really grouchy and mean. No one's going to want to work with me. There's going to be high turnover because my team doesn't want to continue working with us. They're going to lose sight of the vision and the mission of what we're doing. The clients are going to be dissatisfied. And so the more that I've been willing to really go in and do my own inner work, whether that's through therapy or EMDR, whatever it is that you're doing, whether Reiki, shadow work, breath work, all of that stuff, just allowing everything to flush up and noticing where you're really holding on. Because my experience is that you can really build a business that is graceful, more elegant from a more surrendered place. Where was I going? I think that I was talking about trust. Yeah. It's been a huge one for me as I've continued. That's so hard for me too. Like I was always the kid that like, I don't want to fucking do group projects because I'm going to do the shit best. Can nobody handle the pressure (laughs) like me? I don't need nobody. And it's just like unlearning that and realizing that. I have a certain capacity of what I can handle. And if I want to grow, I have to let go. Ooh, Ooh, that's some real shit. 
right there. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I see you showing up so powerfully. It's so inspiring. Thank and you. I don't know that if folks that are listening know this, but this is my very first time talking to you. Yes. I don't know why. I don't know why it took so long, but I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think we need this, like to be in community and connection, to experience this level of depth and connection. Yeah. And we need it now more than ever before. Mm. Now more mm. than ever before. Conscious yeah. community and, and to see ourselves reflected in other entrepreneurs who are who are rolling up their sleeves, who are falling down, who are in the arena, as Brene yeah. Brown says. Yes. And showing up and doing the work. Absolutely. Another thing that has come up for me, especially since quitting my job and doing this full time, is this idea again around if I slow down, if I'm not always doing something, then everything that I've worked to build will somehow like spontaneously combust and I'm going to end up living like in a cardboard box. I'm going to move back in with my parents, like all of this shit is just going to disappear. And I know that's not true. So I know it's scarcity mindset. How do you start to unravel that so that you don't continue to like perpetuate the burnout and the overwork because you're afraid to lose it all? Ooh, this is a huge one, a huge one. And I was actually just talking to one of my girlfriends about like, the beginning of the pandemic. I was feeling that way. And what I ended up doing was really investing in systems, systems and processes. And there's this systems equal freedom. And so I hired this company to come in and just look at everything that I was doing in my business because I was so stressed. If I wasn't available at all times, I felt like I was letting my clients down. I just was like obsessed with just continuously being on. And I knew that that wasn't sustainable. So zooming out for a moment, I think that it's important for us as entrepreneurs and business owners to create these safety mechanisms in our business. These like the masculine structure that allows the business to run without you always having to be there. Right. So like I look at your social and I'm like, I know she's got help there because she's so consistent. Right. Where you see consistency and you see that discipline, you know that there's a system that's been created behind the scenes that gives you your time back. So I think time is a scarcity conversation. So really looking at where there is scarcity within yourself, first and foremost, where are you operating from scarcity? Because it's so it's like innocent and it's like often unconscious and it's just like will run everywhere. And then seeing where scarcity runs in your business and getting support in addressing whatever the missing spots are. For me, it was systems. So I remember I brought in this team and we were looking at where's my time going? Where is it that I'm feeling all this stress and anxiety? And we literally just made a list and we created like a hit list. And over time, we just started like banging things out, we created a CRM, we created a payroll system. We brought in a bookkeeper, we brought in a CFO, we hired this social media person. It just like was like left and right. What are the issues? How do you clean up? How do you clean everything up? knowing that everything can be cleaned up. And so, yeah, that's more of like from more of the business systems standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then from the mindset standpoint, it's just knowing that really zooming out and creating a clear vision for where you want to go and enrolling everybody in the vision so that they're all on board and they know where to go. And so that you're not having to micromanage your team or whoever it is that you're working with. Like everyone has a clear destination where they're going has been really powerful. And again, going back to trusting that others that are on board can take care of it and support you in that. Yeah. So knowing that you can't do everything alone. Mm. That's really what it boils down to for me too. I notice a lot of the anxiety that I would feel about spending money on people on systems was completely eliminated once I realized like how much 
I'm gaining by not having to do all of those things, right? And I think just getting past that apprehension and giving yourself permission to make that investment in this thing that you believe in, like, I almost feel excited now when I get to spend money in my business because I'm like, damn, bitch, okay, we got money to burn here. We got money to do like the <laughs> the things that I only thought were possible. Now, like we can actually invest and continue to <laughs> see like the work it's paying off. Like it excites me now. I'm like, yes, please sign me up for all the things. <laughs> Same. I'm with you on that. Completely. <laughs> it's nice to just be held and supported by other eyes that have a different perspective, a different expertise. Yeah. That's totally get that. I love it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Okay, so I don't think I was necessarily prepared for all of the mindset work that I would be <laughs> required to do now as an entrepreneur, just like always talking myself off the ledge. And I think when you are a creative person, and maybe things don't get received the way you imagine them, that can be a huge hit on your self-worth. How do we start to not let that be the thing that defeats us when we don't always get it right? Yeah, and that takes practice, right? Yeah. Ooh, I remember in the beginning of my journey, I would put out content that would just, actually towards the very beginning, like things would do very well. And then ups and downs, and you put out a reel that you spent hours and hours working on, and then it gets no views, very little likes, very little comments. 
Is that what you're referring to? Is like when you put out content as a content creator? Or? It can be anything. Yeah. I mean, a content, it could be a program. It could be like the offer that you're like, this shit's going to be brilliant. And then like nobody buys it. And you're just like, oh my God, am I going to keep doing this to myself? Yeah. You know, a lot of my work has been really aligning with the spiritual context of life and bringing that in. And I haven't found a way to do the business without it to run my business, to run my life without that component. It's so much bigger. It's the thing that allows me to focus out and see everything that I'm doing being guided by something so much greater. And so again, going back to your self-worth is not attached to the views and the likes and the income goals, being able to detach from that and knowing that you did what you did, you put out, you did your very best effort and it was received in the way that it was received and being willing to look at the feedback. And I think that that's actually a really big thing for entrepreneurs is that oftentimes we provide feedback for others, but we're not the greatest at receiving feedback. We take it so personally because it's so personal. It's like, this is my baby. This is like the thing that I've created from scratch. And so when we get that negative comment, the negative review from a customer, it's like, fuck them. Oh my God, who do they think they are, et cetera. But, but being able to detach from that and just like seeing it as neutral and innocent, not good or bad, just something that just looking at where things weren't working. And so going back to integrity, does this work? Does this not work? And being able to pivot and switch and implement and correct things has been definitely a really, really powerful thing for me in my business. About two years ago, I brought on a lead coach to support me in Launch Latinx. Her name is Ana Sheila. She's the co-host of the Tamarindo podcast. And she has a business background an actual MBA and she's started a lot of initiatives. And when she came on board, she brought her expertise and her skills of product. And so literally every meeting, every coaching call, we would have debrief sessions afterwards. And she would be asking, how do we optimize this? What's the feedback that we're getting? How do we improve this, this system or procedure? And so it was just so powerful to have her on. A lot of the conversation I'm noticing is around relinquishing control and allowing others to bring their perspectives and she came on board and we had we started like we doubled our income we tripled the size of our team we brought in support coaches to join our, our the movement like so much of it was really elevated as a result of her perspective and i'm so grateful for her if you're listening on Shayla. but uh i forgot your initial question <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. No, it happens. We get into all the discussions. But yeah, it's I think what you're saying is when it comes to not tying your worth to the things that may not go right in your business is just trying to see it from that objective lens of just what's the lesson here? It's not a reflection on me as a person, what I'm capable of. It's just really, if something didn't work, there's a lesson there. And seeing it objectively and then implementing the fix is way more productive than like beating yourself up about, oh my God, I made a mistake. And taking full 100% responsibility, I learned, is most important. It's not like focusing out and saying like, this didn't work because my ads thing or this person messed me <laughs> up or, you know, playing victim or, yeah. or blaming on others. It's like, how were you responsible for this? How did you co-create this? How were you the source of the mm -hmm. results that you created? Mm -hmm. Being willing to be so radically honest yeah. is so powerful. And how you do one thing is how you do everything. So there's feedback, not just in your business, there's feedback there that translates over to your personal life. And a lot of it is relationships. <laughs> a lot of it, a lot of business is relationship building. So it's like, if stuff isn't working in the business and with regards to relationships, like how is this like also happening in your romantic relationship? How is this also happening in your family? Yeah, because if you're a poor communicator, it's going to be problems everywhere. It doesn't matter. 
everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> and if you're a poor communicator that is unwilling to look at that and to accept that you are a poor communicator, then you're going to have big issues. <laughs> but I think so much of it is being able to look in the mirror and like look at ourselves. So much of that is yeah. the shadow work and being able mm. to look at like, what has contributed to this? What am I unwilling to look at? Why don't I want to look at this? Why am I in the go, 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 do, do, do is because I'm unwilling to slow down because I don't want to face the anxiety or discomfort of looking at myself. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah. God. Y'all, I don't know if you knew this, but like entrepreneurship is like a whole psychological fucking thing that I was not prepared for. I was just like, oh, it's just cute. I just want to be my own boss and make money. I didn't want to deal with all my shit, but it happens. Coaster. <laughs> it's a total roller coaster. It totally it is. is. <laughs> and I think that a lot of us unconsciously go into it to find ourselves, to discover mm. ourselves. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That has been such a powerful journey for me of just like really challenging all of the limiting beliefs that I have on a constant basis because I'm just forced to confront all the shit. And I'm curious for you, like what's been the biggest thing you've had to confront in your journey? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it comes up time and time and time again. It's both shame around my identity. Still deep, 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 like years and years, years of hiding like internalized homophobia that is like so I mean it just was like since childhood it's just like so deep and and what that created in me somebody who was a people pleaser who thought being a people pleaser playing small having bad boundaries afraid to speak up in meetings dimming my light like so much of the the manifestations of so many years of deep hiding have played out in all those roles that I've put on because that's not the truth of me the truth of me is like affable, is like magnetic, it's light, it's laughter, it's joy, it's movement. It's like so much high vibration energy. But when I'm in my shadows, when I'm buying into any kind of limitations about myself or feeling like insecurity or inferiority based off of whatever I perceive the world to be, it's like, that's where I go. I go into my scared little boy. And that plays out with me not showing up on video or me not putting on my offers or holding back or not wanting to, I could be good, but I can't be too good. Like I don't want to intimidate anybody. And so that's some real stuff right there that is to this day so pervasive and so it's a daily thing that I struggle with. And, and I'm so grateful for it. It's like a gift because every single day it's an opportunity for me to switch the interpretation of how I view that, that part of myself. I can switch from victim to full ownership, to take full Mm. responsibility. I can switch from scarcity to abundance. I can switch from being the scared little boy who's running this business to really empowered leader, empowered man, an empowered conscious entrepreneur who's serving the world. And when you come from vision, there's nothing that can hold you back. Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith of Agape Spiritual Center said it once, pain pushes you down and life will push you down. Life will life. If you're in that scarcity or survival-based thinking, you are going to be in your pain. You're going to be in anxiety. You're going to be in your insecurity. You're going to be in deep in your shit and the holes. The only thing that's going to pull you out of the depths of your shit is going to be you being fully aligned to your vision. Like, what is your vision for life? What is your vision for humanity? What is your vision for how you want to make people feel when you walk into a room? Like, what is your vision for how the world wants to, how you want the world to feel? Is it heaven on earth? Is it unconditional love? Is it limitless joy and expansion and possibility? When you come from that, there is nothing you can't do. And life is going to life. 
somebody's going to trigger you. You can decide to be triggered or you could decide to transform your trigger into your greatest treasure. So it's like you get to decide you have ownership here. So that's been basically for me what yeah. happens and how I pull myself out is coming back to my vision, coming yeah. back to vision and more practically things like movement, like just doing movement, like slowing things down, getting connected through stillness, like yoga, yeah. meditation, breath work, calling a good friend. Right before this call, I was on a call with two great girlfriends that you know. And mm-hmm. That is just always so healing. Just like yeah. whatever can tap you back into love, anything that can get you into love, because that is the highest vibration. And from there, there's nothing you can't do. Mm. So that's been Thank you case. for sharing that. I appreciate your vulnerability because I think a lot of what we see on social media and especially in the entrepreneurship world is just the focus on the success and the radical wins and like oh my god i'm fucking killing it 24 7 and it's just like y'all uh it's lies okay we are out here struggling doubting ourselves fucking feeling like failures all the time but we don't give up right and that's like the thing that's the thing like give yourself permission to breathe take a minute regroup rest and then come back when you're ready. Mm, mm-hmm. That's important. <laughs> it's important for us to regroup and recenter. And yes. vulnerability is huge there too. Yeah, I think a lot of us think that we have to, going back to wearing masks, we have to protect ourselves and wear this armor. And if we are vulnerable, it makes us weak. It makes us X, Y, Z, whatever the stories are that we've created. Back to my coming out story online, I never thought that my business could take off from that. My business could transform from me just opening up about a truth of mine. And you just never know. You just It's never incredible. Know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Harry. So I know you've worked with a lot of visionaries in the entrepreneurship space. And it's obviously a journey to get to a place where like you are with a leader amongst your peers. I'm wondering what the most common, I would say, limiting beliefs that you encounter when you're first working with your clients like what are the common themes you're hearing especially since you work with so many people in our community undoubtedly it is a very deep-seated unworthiness conversation that is the root of everything that i see it is i am unworthy my low self-worth and then also tied with that is it's so innocent and it's so beautiful about so many of the people that i've worked with but it's it's a struggle to love ourselves Where do you think that that comes from? I think that a lot of us have never really had the time or the space to really get to know ourselves intimately. Mm. Because we were literally growing up being these like badass achievers, like taking on, like being the first in our families and having this over responsibility of looking good and achieving. And for so many of the students that I work with, clients from all kinds of people, men, women, not just Latinos, I've worked with all kinds of folks from all different backgrounds, corporate, nonprofits, artists. It is, we learned often at a young age that if I do X, Y, Z, that I will be loved. I will Mm. be loved. If I'm funny, I will be loved. If I have great achievement and results, I will get more attention from my mom or dad. And so really thinking about like, who did you have to be for that parental figure to be loved by them? Who did you think you had to be? What role or persona did you put on? And then so much of it at the root of it is self-worth and self-love, lacking and struggling challenges with those two things. And it plays out in being very aggressive or domineering, being righteous, being super successful in the work, but like your relationships are crumbling in the personal life. I see Mm -hmm. that a lot 
or you are all about <laughs> I work with a lot of spiritual people too. So what I see another thing too is they've had so much trauma and so much stuff about like chaotic upbringings that they've leaned all the way to the being where they're like meditating all day long. They're doing plant medicine. They're at spiritual sacred ceremonies all the time. They're like literally unable to do any work. There's like <laughs> two opposite extremes that I've seen here, Janice. It's crazy. And I talk about this a lot. And I know that Eliana actually talked about it when she was on your podcast, but yeah. there's a little cute song that I learned from one of my teachers Dooby 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 doo, where you're either doing, doing, doing a lot, achieving, taking over, kicking ass, taking names, or you're in the being where you're like <laughs> meditating eight hours a day, you're at, you're at the spa, you're like <laughs> soaking in all the knowledge. There's a shadow there too, because what are you avoiding? Mm. There's a shadow and there's a price to pay for both. Yeah. There's a price to pay for being in the doing, there's a price to pay for being all in the being. The conversation, it gets to switch into how do we create a harmony and a marriage between the being and the doing where we're really showing up for ourselves and our businesses from an aligned place that is not pushing, but really coming from inspiration and knowing that it's possible to do that, to do so. And how do we also get to nurture ourselves where we're really showing up for ourselves and dedicating and nourishing the relationship with ourselves and those around us? Yeah. So I think that that's a really powerful conversation for us to be having as people of color from marginalized identities who've experienced a lot of hardships. Yeah. I don't want to assume that all people of color have had those same hardships because I know that some of us have grown up very wealthy. <laughs> some of us have grown up with a lot of privilege. And so, but for the vast majority of us, I think that has been definitely a narrative that I've seen time and time again. And so a lot of the stuff is outwardly, it's like, let's launch your business. That's how we market it internally behind the scenes it's like let's get you to love yourself and to see yourself as this miracle that you are independent of anybody's perception or opinion of you independent of your views or your followers or your results it is like you are worthy of anything that you want simply because you exist and just coming back to that truth yeah i absolutely love that and i think one of the most powerful tools that I think that we have at our disposal is finding community, right? You talk about that a lot. And I think that the more that we normalize what entrepreneurship looks like in our community and all the various vast examples that exist, it gives people permission to show up, A, as their most authentic self. And it also starts to knock down this feeling of like, who the hell are we to deserve to be in these spaces, right? Because if you find yourself amongst a group of Latino entrepreneurs or just people of color. And you're like, I'm not a unicorn. Like we are mm -hmm. out here. We are doing this shit. Like I should not feel unwelcome. I should not feel like this is not a space for me. And that's why I think it's so important that if you don't have that community amongst your local area, like you have to curate it. You have to use the resources that exist to remind you that you are worthy of being in these spaces. It's really powerful. And I think community really humanizes people in a way that mm. is, especially in-person community, I found to be so incredibly, wow, like a total another, yeah. on a whole another level. Mm -hmm. But just virtual communities in and of themselves are also just so healing and expansive in that, you know, I worked with one-on-one -on -one clients for years and they had results. The first program I ran years ago was the Latina Accelerator. And that was a lot of my original clients who were still in touch and their results were just like accelerated to a whole nother level. 
because being in communities, especially with other women, especially with other women of color, is just like, whoa, there is a vibration and an energy there. I'm like, damn, I feel privileged to be in this space. <laughs> and then like everybody just took off. Everybody was like launching and growing. And then there was this like energy of euphoria and this exhilaration because it was so empowering for so many of the women of color that I've worked with, where previously they had been maybe their only woman of color in the community space. Yesterday, we launched our last, our most recent cohort of Lanzate. It's the Launch Latinx Accelerator. And it's majority women of color with a couple exceptions, a couple men. And a lot of them were just sharing how they were just feeling so many emotions because it was just feels so good to be in the space. Mm-hmm. And I felt it too. It was just really beautiful. But what, another thing that's beautiful about it is that on Instagram, I would see you on Instagram. I'm like, damn, she's killing it. She's like, it's, <laughs> damn, I'm kind of intimidated. Like she's like so powerful. And like, but then interacting with you here and being in community and connection with you here, it's like, oh my God, she's human. Yeah, I'm totally fucking human, y'all. I am the most boring person you will ever meet. So don't let, don't <laughs> let, don't let Instagram make you think that I'm like some scary asshole person because I'm really not. I try not to be at least. <laughs> you know, but like, it's hard to get that when you're not like interacting with you. Like, yeah, no, of course. Right? Yeah. So it's so beautiful and interactive <laughs> and such a reminder of that, like those mediums of like doing Instagram lives. That's another it's reason. It's not real, this. y'all. It's not real. <laughs> it's not all real. Yeah. Yeah. And that there's a human being behind that, not just a human doing. There's a mm. human being who has a Oof. heart who can potentially be suffering behind Yo, the scenes. Facts. I'd be crying all the time. And I go on Instagram live when I'm feeling emotional. I'm like, guys, I feel like shit. I just want you to know that because even though you see the winds, like it's important to just keep it real. Because it's not always easy. I'll close out with this question. If you had to go back to your new entrepreneur self, knowing what you know now, and give them the most valuable lesson that you've learned, what would that lesson be? (laughs) Number one, relinquish control sooner. Relinquish control and get help sooner. I was getting a lot of help from my mentors and coaches, but I thought I had to do it all. I was, as they say, a lone wolf, just doing it all, everything on my own for so long. And so I would get help sooner. So hire an assistant sooner, sooner than you think you're even ready for. Hire an operator, hire somebody to do your (laughs) emails, hire somebody to do your social media, hire people to take care of things for you so that you're not drowning and that you could really be your most present self. That's one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give myself. I love that advice. And I think it goes back to just like trusting the fact that when you make an investment in yourself and your dreams, like you're going to figure out a way to make that shit work. Like you will find the money, you will find the resources that you need to make this a thing. Because once you realize how important that thing is to you, like you will be like, I cannot give this up. We are going to fucking figure this out. (laughs) Amen. And you can always be resourceful. And we as Latinos, we're so we're so resourceful. Oh, we're for so sure. Rappy. So we can get creative. <laughs> and I read somewhere once, if you want to make more money, do two things. Number one, get super creative. And number two, just get more eyeballs in front of the work you're doing. Mm. And so it just like made it very simple for me. And I remember when I watched Money Heist. Have you ever watched it on Netflix? Yes. <laughs> that was a big pivotal show for me because I saw how much strategy and thought the professor was putting into these like these heists. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, I get to be the professor in my business. And I remember this summer I sat down, I was like, okay, how do we do a hundred thousand dollar month? 
and I mapped it all out. And I was like putting on the professor vibes and I like wrote down, okay, we got to do this. How can we get more creative? We could do this. Blah, blah, blah. How do we get more eyeballs? Okay. We do this. And then just took action and we did it. Like, hello. It just, hello. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. Just, I'm so here for it. <laughs> yeah. Just like get really creative, get really resourceful and get more eyeballs in front of the work you're doing and just believe that you're worthy of it mm. is the last ingredient there. Oof. That is a whole gem. And this whole podcast episode, I am so excited for folks to hear it because I know that so many people are going to want to connect with you, Harry. So where is the best place for us to find you and how do you work with your clients now? Like what can people look forward to once they enter your orbit? Yeah. So Instagram is probably the best form of medium to find me at, at the Harry Lopez. You can also follow our business account at Launch Larnex. And I have very few offerings. I'm running a private coaches mastermind just for coaches, literally just for my heart, because I love working with coaches. And also we have our signature ongoing program. It's Lanzate. It's a 10-week accelerator mindset and business accelerator for early stage entrepreneurs and coaches. So in that program, we see a lot of folks just really take off and launch their businesses and launch themselves at the same time, we're really launching ourselves when we're building these things. So we focus on the personal and the strategic. Those are the two things. And then we got a couple other things. So just feel free to click the link in our bio, get all of our freebies and downloadables. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you have so many examples of success stories of people that you've worked with that I have now have the pleasure of having in my own network. So I just want to thank you for the work that you do, for your energy, for your light. You are always just like mm -hmm. such a refreshing break from the bullshit on social like you're just <laughs> you are like the thing that I look forward to when I log into social oh. media because so much of it can just be like defeating and make you start questioning your own worth and you do the complete opposite like you uplift me every time I interact with you on social so thank you for what you do and thank you for giving us permission to dream big thank you so much I received that <laughs> and likewise big time thank you I'm inspired thank you Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa.
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.